The Start On Demand. On demand. The King's Head says Manitoba's Phase 3 is a joke. The province revealed its draft plan for Phase 3 of reopening, which would be set for June 21st, and it will allow restaurants to open at 75% capacity, but tables still have to be six feet apart. And Chris Graves from the King's Head says that basically means we still got to operate at 50% because we can't fit anyone else in the restaurant if we have to adhere to these full social distancing measures. So we'll speak to Chris once again, and we'll speak to the Manitoba Restaurant Association. And if you could be an animal, which one would you be and why? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is back on Monday. I'm off next week. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Friday, June 12th podcast for The Start. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back on Monday, and we like to ask the important questions here at 680 CJOB, especially on Fridays. And Greg, today we're going to ask the question, if you could be an animal, which one would you be? (laughs) (laughs) It's a critical answer. Uh, That used to be something that we asked uh, when I worked at Earl's back in the day. They asked it of me when they hired me back in... Was that 1994? And it was something that uh, we asked as managers when we were interviewing people. If you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? And of course, then the why is really the critical part. Uh, Otherwise, there's no discussion. Uh, The answers that I got over the years, very, very interesting to that question. Yeah, and I have been wrestling with this, so I, I hopefully I'll come to a conclusion at 6.45 because I'm trying to figure out... Do I want to be something swift and agile, or do I want to be something that's more big and brutish, like perhaps a rhinoceros? Uh, you know, I've, I'm kind of thinking it would be neat to be like a monkey, because uh, I've never had a vertical leap. I was always like, I could never jump. Could never. I'm six four, but I could never dunk a basketball. So, uh, not being a monkey wouldn't give me that ability, but it would still be neat to have that ability to leap. So text us at 204-780-6868. If you could be an animal, which one would you be and why? Also, we just got to follow something that Jeff was talking about in his newscast, that fire on uh, Borbank Street. He played the clip from a witness, James Green, of a man Uh, who he saw a guy go in and rescue some animals trapped inside. Well, we know this person, and we're endeavoring to get them on our show this morning. His name is Taryn. Should we... we, Maybe he doesn't want... Well, no. You think we can publicly name him here, Greg? I'm not sure what's been said publicly to this point, Brett. Uh, I trust your judgment. You know what? We'll just say Taryn. Uh, okay. Because it, it it is on social media, but I don't know how public that account is. So we'll just say Taryn. We know Taryn, and uh, he apparently had surgery yesterday and still went running into the house. So way to go, Taryn. Well, and hopefully we'll be able to speak with him coming up a bit later on today on The Start. And we also, on a more serious note... We have uh, an ask out for something at 8.07. Uh, yesterday afternoon, you sent a rather disturbing video to me and Loren, Greg. 
Yeah, and it's making its rounds on social media as well. It's an incident here in Winnipeg. Much publicized arrest in behind the Winnipeg Concert Hall. You just heard Matt Abra's report in Jeff Braun's news at 6 o'clock. And uh, we don't need to go over what damage was done, but this video does depict and show the arrest, the apprehension of this individual. And... It's disturbing. There are uh, three police officers attempting to uh, put this individual in handcuffs and then uh, several other police officers on the scene and one appears to kick this individual twice while they are down on the ground. They have not been subdued at that point. The suspect is not in handcuffs, uh, has has not stopped resisting, quote-unquote, resisting arrest. And in terms of the, the appearance in the video, uh, it's got a lot of people talking, as you can imagine, in this climate right now. So uh, looking to speak to a couple of individuals and their response there, their first take on seeing that video and uh, what it says to them. And if you've seen it, we'd like to hear from you as well. And, and we'd like to know what you think of it. 204-780-6868 on the text machine. Yeah, I'm in full support of, you know, if, if police are trying to arrest a suspect who is resisting arrest, uh, particularly in a violent fashion, and there's a risk to the officers and there's a risk to public safety. Uh, I have no problem with police using whatever force is required to to apprehend them and subdue them. But as you pointed out in this video, uh, when you see a man being kicked while he's down with other officers on top, that's uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. So we're hoping to talk more about this throughout the morning. Got an email yesterday morning uh, that came in just after 10 o'clock. NHL, NHLPA agree on opening date for formal training camps. They announced yesterday that uh, Phase 3 formal training camps for the 24 teams resuming play will open Friday, July 10th, provided that medical and safety conditions allow and the parties have reached an overall agreement on resuming play, the length of training camp, and therefore the start date for formal resumption of play, a.k.a. Phase 4, will be determined at a future date. Greg, with the prospect of sports returning, how does that make you feel? Yeah, you know what? One more step towards uh, some form of normalcy, at least on the on the entertainment slash uh, sports front. I watched a little bit of the PGA yesterday. No fans as they're down in Fort Worth. It's really strange to watch them golfing, uh, the best golfers in the world, and there are just a handful of people around. And they were struggling big time with the physical distancing. So uh, if the golfers and the caddies are having a hard time with physical distancing, imagine NBA players and hockey players. But there's just going to have to be, they're going to have to be throwing out those rules, right, Brett? I mean, because you're bumping into one another, you're uh, in co- close quarters, and that's and that's part of the issue. I can't wait. I'm hoping that this comes to fruition. There's still a lot of things that need to happen in order for the NHL to resume play, but they are determined to do it. And uh, in case you didn't know, 24 teams are set to resume play. Five Canadian teams will be a part of that, including the Winnipeg Jets and our friend Ted, Ted Wyman writes for the Winnipeg Sun and Post Media says that with uh, Phase 3, not only of the NHL plan, but phase three of Manitoba's COVID-19 reopening plan, which we were telling you about earlier, 
The Manitoba government said professional athletes can return to the province of Manitoba after June 21st without having to go through an ensuing 14-day quarantine period. But the province said those athletes must go through 14 days of self-isolation before entering the province and Ted surmises, and I think this is a, a good point, a guideline that doesn't sound remotely enforceable and will continue to be a concern for athletes who are trying to train for a resumption uh, or start of their season. So you've got the Canadian Football League players are champing at the bit. They want to know what's going on. When can we get back on the field? They want to know if the season's cancelled. Are they going to be a, some sort of truncated season because they want to get on with their lives? Maybe they have to find other work if they're not going to be able to earn a living as a football player. Uh, hockey players don't aren't nearly that desperate in terms of uh, financial situations because the minimum salary in the National Hockey League is north of $750,000 a year. So if you, if you don't play, and they've, of course, completed most of their season. So, uh, yeah, it would be great to see it. We, did you see any of the golf yesterday, Brad? No, I didn't. I forgot about it. I mean, I was, I was here doing the couch potatoes until 3.30, so by the time I got home, I just kind of... Uh, lounged around on my balcony for a little bit. I, I meant to turn it on, though. I mean, and it was weird watching the match with Tiger Woods, Phil mm-hmm. Mickelson, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady, as they they were the only ones essentially on the course, other than the camera crew. So it was weird watching them because it was so. I mean, golf is always quiet, but then when there's a good shot, you have the gallery that reacts. Uh, but sure. there was nothing, so it was kind of. On one hand, it was cool because you could hear everything they were saying to each other, but uh, on the other hand, it was just bizarre. So, and that and that was a particularly special kind of broadcast, right? Like they were all mic'd up, whereas in normal golf, they've just got the boom mics around. But it would be weird watching it without fans, and, that, and that's just golf. I can't. I'm trying to figure out what it would be like to watch a hockey game or a basketball game without the crowd, because that's part of. Especially, I was a basketball fan. And part of the fun of watching a basketball game is teams tend to go on a run, right? They go on a heater and the crowd, there's sort of this crescendo where the crowd starts to heat up along with the team. So it really adds to the story, right? I mean, that's why we like sports because a game, like anything else, a good game is a good story. And the crowd is just as much a part of the action as the athletes on the field or the ice or the court or whatever. Yeah, well, I'll take you back to the 2018 NHL playoffs. Jets, Nashville in the second round of the playoffs. The Jets fall behind 3-0. And I think it was Dustin Bufflin scores uh, to make it uh, 3-2. The Jets had battled back to 3-1. Bufflin scores to make it 3-2. The crowd is going absolutely ballistic. And it's 13 or 18 seconds later, Jacob Truba scores to tie the game. And for as loud as Bell and TS place has been known to be over the last nine hockey seasons, they say that is the moment that the roof almost literally came off the place because it was so loud. And that's not just because of player introductions or because the NHL is back in Winnipeg. That was a moment where the fans, the players were sort of in concert. It was all one magical moment. One had to do with the other. You could argue that the the Jets fans' reaction to Bufflin's goal uh, set uh, Nashville back on their heels. And uh, Jacob Trubo is allowed to sneak in front of the net and get that goalie. I mean, 
you're exactly right in my opinion, Brett. Sometimes they just all work together to create a magical moment like that. Yeah, and if you're an athlete, you obviously are going to get a charge out of that crowd. Like I remember, even though I know we always joke about the fact that uh, I, I don't go to a lot of sports events, sportings, I, I, the ice hockey, but I was at the Winnipeg Jets 2.0 preseason opener, the first preseason game of the new iteration of the Winnipeg Jets. And that crowd was going insane before they even hit the ice. And you could tell that the players, as soon as they hit the ice, they were energized. How could you not be energized by 15,000 screaming fans? So to then skate out onto the ice with an empty arena, um, it's going to be weird. But but it's also their job. They're professionals, right? So they got to go out and do it, whatever. Well, and the flip side of that, of course, the NBA, NBA has announced they're coming back July 31st. They've set a date for their return. They're going to be playing all the games at uh, Disney World, at their ESPN arena at Disney World. So that's uh, not set in stone because, of course, something could happen to set that back. But that's their plan, and their their whole plan to do that uh, has been laid out and, and very succinctly. And I lost my train of thought on uh, where we were going with that with regards to the crowd. That's what it was, the NBA. And, of course, we, we've watched The Last Dance. And you might have taken note that during uh, the filming of Space Jam, they, they set up an incredible uh, gym for Michael Jordan and all the games that were played there. Guys came, all the NBA players came from across uh, the United States to play. And they said that was some of the basketball, best basketball ever played was amongst these guys basically just, just playing so Michael Jordan could get back into shape. So I don't know. I, I still have a sense that after the goofiness of it wears off, those hockey players, those uh, basketball players will be forming at, at, at top uh, top notches. Yeah, you know what? Maybe without a crowd, there will be less distraction and they can just focus on the game. There will be nothing to to take their mind out of it. You know, I mean, play, uh, fans are always trying to distract the opponents, right? So they can just put their nose to the grindstone and get down to business. Backling and McGarry McNabb back on Monday. And sometimes the train of thought, you just got to follow the bouncing ball, right? I mean, we all know how that goes. We fall down a rabbit hole. Greg finds a video of some cute pandas doing some cute things on Twitter, and we start talking about animals. And next thing we know, Greg's remembering, hey, when I worked at Earl's, we used to ask people in their job interviews, if you could be an animal, which one would you be and why? So we thought that'd be a fun topic for a Friday. And the winner, the winning text at 204-780-6868 is going to win a $25 gift card from Manitoba Turkey Producers because June is Turkey Month. So, Greg, since you came up with a question, why don't we start with you? Well, I have a feeling uh, my microphone's not working. No, we can hear you. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> I don't know why I was feeling like you couldn't hear me. Uh, so I, I was asked this question. I'd never been asked it before. Like I said, when they were interviewing me to uh, come on board at Earl's, and uh, it was a pretty easy answer for me at the time. I said a dolphin oh. uh, be, because, A, I was a Miami Dolphins fan, but d- dolphins are, are genuinely my favorite animal, and, uh, you know, they're intelligent. I, I hope to be uh, viewed as a, in, intelligent every once in a while, and uh, I love their social abilities, the way they get along with each other, uh, their ability to uh, work in a, as a group uh, in order to 
to get food. If you've ever seen them uh, herd uh, prey, it's pretty impressive. And uh, one of the greatest experiences of my lifetime was in Mexico, seeing um, dolphins uh, migrating uh, to a kelp bed. It was up about 200 feet up above the Pacific Ocean, just uh, south of Ensenada. And what an incredible sight to see. Probably uh, must have been, oh, 80 or more dolphins swimming in harmony heading towards this kelp bed to feed. And apparently they did this like every afternoon for about a month as this kelp bed uh, hung around in this part of the Pacific Ocean. So dolphin was really easy answer for me. Okay, Jeff Braun, you? Yeah, I'm not into kelp, so dolphins out. Um, <laughs> honestly, I think like like uh, whatever the best eagle is, I don't know all the eagles, a bald eagle or a golden eagle, it seems like a, a majestic way to live, and I don't think there's a lot of predators for those guys up there. And every time you see one sitting on the top of the tree, it looks like that eagle just like owns its own world, and it's, it seems like it's good to be an eagle. Yeah, Forte and I were kicking that around too, right, Forte? Oh, yeah. I think it'd just be awesome. Not that too. I'd just love to fly. That'd be so much fun. Yeah, because I was initially thinking maybe like a like a monkey, like a lion-tailed macaque, uh, or <laughs> I just looked up types of monkeys, or there's one called an emperor tamarin, and... Uh, I kind of want to be this one just because it's got this really badass, like, mustache. Uh, just Google Emperor Tamarin and you'll see why. Um, so I thought maybe a monkey would be cool just because of their agility and their ability to swing around and stuff. But uh, then, yeah, for me, it would have to be some kind of a bird uh, that can soar like that uh, to be able to fly would be really cool. Kelly Moore, what about you? Well, I'm thinking along the lines of longevity, so probably a tortoise because they can you know, live up to about 175 years, and then Braun would really, really have some material to work on as far as me being old in age. Oh, man. A tortoise. Yeah, plus plus you bring people satisfaction when they bite into a turtle. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. And you win all the races. Turtles and the races. chocolates. Yeah, I would win all the races, too, especially with eagles. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, tortoise, that's the thing. They, they're slow on land, but they're great swimmers, right? So you could have all kinds of fun in the water. And at 204-780-6868, uh, we, we have one text here saying, I would be an eagle because they are the king of the sky. Jeff says, ooh, and this one isn't good for you, Greg. Jeff would be a great white shark. Uh-huh. I like swimming and eating, and I could easily do them both for life. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that I would be a meerkat. A meerkat. You know, I got that kind of personality. You know, you say my name, I pop up like a meerkat, and I'm just, you know, looking around. There's one time that, that there's one time that Brett walked into the control room here, and I was eating something, and, like, I just barely turned, and I kept looking straight. My eye was looking at him, and I just kept eating. <laughs> And you, you, I remember you laughed at me, and you're like, you look like, and I can't remember what animal you said, but just because I was sitting there eating, and I didn't move. I just looked at you with my eye. With those little paws. Yeah. Um, Kristen says, I would be an elephant because of their size. They can be gentle, yet strong, have wonderful memories, and stick together as a family. They're beautiful animals, and I would love to be an elephant if I could. Thoughtful answer, Kristen. While Mike says, I think being a sloth would be my choice. (laughs) That was also on my list. Slow moving and just spending time hanging around seems like a perfect fit for me. Yeah, that would be cool. Just kind of hanging out, not doing a whole lot. Uh... And then Chris, I liked Denny's. What did Denny? Oh, what did Denny say? 
Then he said he just wanted to be animal. Oh, from the Muppets? <laughs> from the Muppets. He was the drummer. <laughs> an animal. He was the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, another listener is saying, I'd be a skunk. No problem social distancing there. Uh, skunks, oh, man, you know, they're, they're so cute and so adorable. And apparently they make wonderful pets. Uh, but uh, you, the only downside there is you have to, uh, you have to get them de Skunkified. I don't know. <laughs> what is it? De sprayed? De stink? De scented, I think. De scented. Brad, about three, uh, probably about three years ago now, we had a family of skunks who decided to set up a nest underneath our backyard shed. Oh, no. And yeah, mm. and trust me, they're not a lot of fun. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back on Monday. Phase three of Manitoba's reopening during the novel coronavirus pandemic could see indoor and outdoor groups increase and travel restrictions loosened. The goal is to implement phase three on June 21st. Other things in the draft plan include increasing child care capacities to regular levels and no need to self-isolate if you're traveling from northern Ontario or western Canada. Where the line into northern Ontario will be has yet to be decided. Premier Brian Pallister said it will likely be somewhere west of Thunder Bay. Now, according to the draft plan of phase three posted yesterday on the Manitoba government website, public gatherings of 50 people will be allowed indoors and 100 people outdoors, so long as they can stay two meters apart from each other. For retail, occupancy limits would be removed and restaurants and bars could see limits of 75% capacity. These sound like solid moves. Chris Graves is the owner of the King's Head Pub, joins us now. Chris, uh, what does the move to 75% of capacity mean for you more customers right oh yeah just stack it man i can't wait it's uh you know i'm listen i'm a passionate guy we are very patient we've done all the right things for this i also think we've gone above and beyond uh i think the most frustrating thing through this is the fact that we're not like our association and uh, the restaurant business is not truly being consulted on these type of scenarios because if we if we were we would have let them know that 75% is just legitimately smoke and mirrors because we cannot fit any more tables in our restaurants or or pubs uh, to get any more capacity other than 50% as it is right now. Sean Jeffrey is executive director of the Manitoba Restaurant Association. Sean, is Chris alone in his view on this? No, he absolutely is not. Um, we actually received uh, upwards of 75 phone calls from operators yesterday to our office and uh, to my personal cell phone, um, mirroring what uh, Chris is saying. It's, uh, he's correct. It is absolutely smoke and mirrors. The provincial government is taking a one, uh, one uh, approach to all businesses. And unfortunately, our industry is significantly different than other industries out there. And you cannot compare the feasibility of moving forward is, uh, with social restrictions and guidelines in a big box store and compared to a restaurant that is a quarter or a tenth of the size. So then I guess my question would be why even go to the 75%? There has to be an acknowledgement, a knowledge uh, at the province that 75 75- percent probably doesn't do anything it's a number to a great extent uh sean what do the conversations with the province look like on this are you in consultation with them uh we have been in consultation uh more so through phase two uh we were aware of the future uh requirements or what their thoughts were for phase three there was 
very little information uh, proceeded with that. So um, when we saw that, we were looking at a 75% to 100% uh, opening uh, number. But the reality is, is that we didn't know what the social distancing guidelines would be. And as Chris has said, and as many other operators have said, um, our restaurants are already full. We cannot fit any more people in these restaurants following social distancing guidelines. And so, you know, we're really operating anywhere between, you know, 30 to 50 percent if we're lucky. And and unfortunately, that is just not feasible for long term. No business, whether it's a restaurant, a grocery store, an auto detail store, anywhere can operate and be sufficient and viable at 50 percent of their revenue. Well, Chris, we are still in a pandemic. I know the numbers in Manitoba are low. Is there enough demand to fill the restaurant to 100 capacity? Well, you know what? I'll put it to you this way. We have seen the need uh, of people wanting to socialize again inside. And listen, I'm not saying that 100% is going to change everything. I mean, we're still under a huge pitch. I mean, I think one of the biggest issues as well is, yeah, I think people will come out. Maybe that'll happen. But we're also getting pretty much zero assistance from the government right now. I mean, we're still expected to still pay our full property taxes and our business taxes. Can you imagine if the government said to you, hey, guys, you can't use your house for three months, but we still expect you to pay for your full property tax? You can't. We're not going to let you work for the next three weeks, but we're going to still uh, make you pay your full amount of uh, taxes. That's ridiculous, but that's exactly what they're doing right now to business, like to restaurants especially, and other retail. It's just we're we're under such a pinch, and that's what I mean when I say we're bleeding. That's how we're bleeding, and we're rallying the troops right now. I mean, me trying to get a hold of anybody from the government is also an absolute joke. They truly don't. I I really truly believe this. I don't really feel they care about the backbone of this of this province and this city, which is independent business. Sean, we've got about 30, 45 seconds here. I know of at least three different restaurants that have forgone altogether the idea of low opening at anything less than 100% capacity. It just doesn't make sense to them to do that. So they're just continue to do delivery and pick up uh, curbside delivery. And are you hearing that from more of your members? Yeah, there's a lot of restaurants that have decided to stay closed because unfortunately it's not viable, but we have to get people back to work in this province and the province needs to listen. Premier Pallister says that he's listening to, to business and he's listening to Manitobans. Well, we're talking right now, right? So he needs to listen because we are Manitobans and we're saying this cannot continue to happen. We need to get Manitobans back to work. We need to get our industry back up and thriving again. It's We cannot continue to move forward at, at a pace that's going to push uh, a, a lot of our business owners and restaurants out of business. Chris Graves is the owner of the King's Head, joining us live on CJOB. Chris, thank you as always for the access, sir. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. And Sean Jeffrey, Executive Director of the Manitoba Restaurant Association, thank you very much for joining us as well. We appreciate your time. Have a good day, guys. Thanks. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is back on Monday. As Jeff Braun's been telling you in Global News this morning, an eyewitness is calling a man a hero after he saved animals from a large house fire on Boerbank Street. It happened yesterday. 
and the flames were 15 feet high. And we learned that someone went in to rescue some dogs. And then I saw on social media yesterday, Greg, uh, from our old friend Kim Gazelle, uh, who used to work here at CJOB. And once upon a time, I briefly, for three hours, worked with her at Wendy's, found out that the, <laughs> man, that the man who ran into the house uh, is her husband. Her husband, uh, Taryn Gazelle, joins us now. And uh, Taryn, we've had the honour to speak with you in the past about your, what many considered a crazy idea to swim the Red River. And and refresh our memory, that was from the south perimeter to the north perimeter, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was, uh, well, we were going to do it with the current, of course, not against the current going the other way. So from the south to the north, 37 kilometres. And uh, we enjoyed that that tale. But this is, come on, man. I'm reading this story here. Two firefighters suffered minor injuries battling this fire. And I'm guessing you didn't have any equipment. What were you wearing? And we got to ask you, what were you thinking? Well, to be perfectly honest, uh, I was... Uh... I, I was just, I was concerned for the dogs, obviously. The the fire was a lot smaller when I ran over there. It was contained to the backyard, and a friend of ours and myself, we ran over there, and we were able to, we didn't have to go into the house. We just opened the door and uh, basically stepped in a, a foot or so and called them, and they came out right away. So, you know, if people want to call me a hero, hey, that's them. <laughs> but... Uh, um, it was it was a lot less heroic than it might sound from uh, what some people are saying. Okay, so it wasn't like the the house was completely engulfed and you didn't run in, uh, like you know some like a scene out of Backdraft or something like that. That's how it seemed in my head. <laughs> no, it wasn't it wasn't like that at all. That's how I'll tell the tale twenty years from now. How many dogs? Well, by the way? you know, there were three dogs. Uh, two from the the owner and then one from his friend. So uh, a couple little dogs and then one just giant mastiff that thought it was playtime and we had to coax him away from the house a little bit. Uh, Taryn, you, you can and we can joke uh, all we like, all you like about the circumstances here, but it's not like there was a giant lineup of people there to open that door and get those dogs out of the house. So you, you clearly were thinking of others first. And, uh, you know, I don't know you super well, but I've, I've met you a couple of different times. And, and that's the impression I get of you. You're, you're sort of a, a, a generous person. So how well do you know the people that live in this house? Do you know these dogs at all? Yeah, yeah, we talk with them really, really regularly. They're a good neighbor. Uh, often he'll come over and shovel our snow if he knows that we're away on a trip or, or cut our grass. And, you know, it, with the times of what's going on right now, I, I think it's good to have those types of people around and and those types of neighbors. And, yeah, like to to have somebody that you can count on both ways, I think, is important right now. Now, I understand as well, Taryn, that just yesterday you had had some sort of a surgery. I did, yeah. In the morning I had some veins removed. From what part of uh, your body, if, if, if I'm not being too nosy? <laughs> uh, it was varicose veins from my leg. So uh, I looked pretty good hobbling around with my tensor bandage and the compression stockings. Uh, it was quite a good look, I think. 
So I'm still trying to, you know, you can downplay this all you want. I'm still trying to get inside your head as to what makes you you run towards that versus not doing it. Was it just simply not an option not to do anything at that point, Taryn? I, I don't I don't want to make it sound, like I say, bigger than it is. I, the fire was contained to the backyard at the time, and we had at least enough seconds to make a decision that the front of the house was safe. I banged on the window, basically just to assess if people were in there. And, and at the time, we were still able to open the door without having any sort of heat uh, at the front door or coming around to the front. So uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think that it was anything that a lot of people wouldn't do. Um, and uh, there not being a lot of other people around at the time because people were just starting to come out of their house. I, I don't know. I, I like dogs. I like the neighbor. And it just sort of popped into my head instantly that we had to make sure that everyone was out of the house. Where was the neighbor? He was actually just at Cafe 22. They had literally basically just walked up and got a reservation. So they were there within about five minutes. They have a tenant who was, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood, maybe about two minutes away. They were there basically right as the fire trucks came. Gee whiz. And, uh, and what, what do you see this morning uh, on your street? On the street, you actually can't see a lot. There isn't a lot of damage to the front of the house, but there's a lot of people that it was funny as we were in the backyard with the neighbor yesterday in basically just rubble, absolutely complete rubble. Everything is burnt. Where there used to be a hot tub, it's just a pile of melted plastic. And we would see people walking their dogs in the back lane. And they would take a couple of steps and they would look and double take. And oh my goodness, it just, it looks like, like a war zone went through there. The entire backyard, the garage, the carport, everything is just in shattered. Like it's, it's, it's something that you wouldn't expect to happen so close to you. It's two doors down. I can look out my side window right now and see this site that I never thought I'd see. What kind of condition were the dogs in? Uh, well, one of them thought it was playtime, and then two others were were fairly shooken up. A uh, little Pomeranian who was pretty shaken up, and uh, the one big Mastiff dog, about 150 pounds, really didn't want to leave the house in the yard. So I had to get a, a leash from our house, from one of our dogs, and and kind of chase him around a little bit because he kept wanting to go back. He was like, oh, there's, there's 50, 100 people here out in the front area. And I guess it was making him nervous. So he wanted to go back to the safety of the house running back in. And uh, they were just, they were very shooken up. And, and uh, we put them in our sunroom and they just kind of chilled out and calmed down over the following two hours. Well, I'm looking at your uh, Instagram story right now at Triathlon Terran, and I see this is a, I see the dogs now. This is a beast of a, and he's, oh, a, and he's, he's just drooling he's away on your floor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, he's a horse. And he came in here and barked and got our dogs all whooped up. It was uh, quite the quite the production with these goons. Okay. Well, well, we're grateful for your time this morning, Taryn. I can only imagine how grateful your neighbors are. Thanks for sharing this with us. And uh, well, as Kathy Kennedy might say, good on you, man.
Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm just happy that everyone got out safe and, and everyone is fine. All right. Triathlon Taryn Gazelle joining us live on 680 CJOB. You can follow him on social media at Triathlon Taryn. He's also got a website, triathlonterran.com. And if you want to see the dogs, just check out his Instagram story. Uh, the, there's one very large, handsome dog, and then there's a cute little one on his lap. 814, we've got traffic, weather, and business coming up as we head out to some Aldo Nova fantasy. On the start. Mackling and McGarry McNabb back on Monday. Just need to quickly mention the question of the day brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. At cjob.com, the question is, should Phase 3 of Manitoba's reopening plan allow restaurants to operate at 100% capacity? Options are yes, dining rooms and patios, just patios at 100%, or no, 75% as proposed. Cast your vote at cjob.com and on Twitter, at 680CJOB. In our next segment, we have a $50 gift card to give away for Food Fair. But we start this half hour by continuing with the Global News exclusive that Marnie Blunt and Richard Cluche have been working on for months. Earlier this morning, just after the 7 o'clock news with Jeff Braun, we told you how Manitoba finds itself in a legal battle based on what many feel is dated legislation. Taylor McCaffrey Law is filing a constitutional challenge over the province's dated legislation surrounding assisted reproduction and legal parentage, Greg. Currently, when a parent has has a child through, when parents have a child through assisted reproduction, their surrogate is listed as the legal parent on the birth certificate. This forces the parents to go through unnecessary and costly court proceedings to be listed as the legal parent. BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan have already updated their legislation. Our next guests are demanding Manitoba do the same. Fame McMahon and Emily Sauvet have a six-month baby, and if that isn't enough to deal with, they are also battling to become the legal parents of their child. Good morning, Finn. Good morning. How are you doing today? We're doing well, and good morning to you, Emily. Morning. So first of all, Finn, how about you tell us about your little one and and, and uh, the joys of, of parenting a six-month-old baby? Yeah, I mean, uh, she is she is wonderful. Uh, she is smiling and laughing and uh, rolling around. And we just went out for a nice walk this morning. Um, it is beautiful out. So, yeah, she's a she's a joy to be around, and uh, we're so happy to have her. Oh, it's fantastic! Now, Emily, can you tell us a little bit about your incredible path to welcoming your baby into the world? It's a it's a winding road, isn't it? Well, with uh, as often as the case with same-sex families, I mean, we, 
our journey to parenthood is very intentional. And um, we knew when we got together that we wanted to have a family and we knew that there would be roadblocks and um, adversities to overcome. So, um, yeah, it has been quite a journey. It took us um, around two years from the time we started to sort of try to the time that we finally had her in our arms. And, um, yeah, it was it was quite the journey. We um, worked with a known donor, which we feel really blessed to be able to do so that um, our daughter will always be able to know her donor and, and know, um, have him be part of her life. And, um, but I mean, we always had very, from the very beginning, been very intentional and very clear about the fact that like our daughter was going to have two moms and, and that was going to be um, our, our primary family. And we had to work really hard to get here, um, you know, between legal contracts for uh, negotiating donor um, information, um, potentially exploring fertility treatments, um, the whole insemination process. Like, it takes a lot of time and energy um, and emotional energy to become parents this way. And the fact that despite all of this intentionality, you know, we wouldn't both immediately be recognized as parents is a bit of a slap in the face considering you know, how much energy and time and love and effort that we put into creating our family. So, Finn, you have to go through a process to adopt this child, correct? Yes. If our constitutional challenge is not successful, then I would have to go through an adoption process, which could involve a home visit. Um, It's a little bit different when it's a spousal adoption, but um, considering just like the, the challenges and how hard it was, um, for us, that's just a, a really hard thing to consider because she is my daughter. So it's a hard thing, and we're really hopeful that this is successful. And uh, just one quick follow-up uh, question here, uh, Finn, before we bring on your lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. If you were, you know, is is the this because you are uh, a gay couple? Uh, like if you were a man, would you have to go through this process? Yeah, I believe that it would be um, a similar um Robin can speak to this, but I believe it would be uh, a similar process um, if, for example, the um, couple had to use um, sperm donated, um, then it would be a similar process, I believe. But Robin can uh, clarify on that. Well, let's bring on Robin uh, Kuzina. She is a partner with Taylor McCaffrey, and Robin is the lawyer leading this constitutional challenge to this Manitoba law. So, Robin, I think Brett asked an outstanding question. If I were to have a a child, uh, my wife and I were to have a child through a surrogate, would I have to adopt that child as a as a as a as a as a as a couple? Um, the the issue really is, is we're dealing with an outdated definition of parent that's almost 30 years old that really only saw parentage as uh, being one if you have a biological link. So any situation where an infertile couple, who a heterosexual couple or a same-sex, same-sex couple needs to use a donor to conceive a child... Um, the non-biological parent is not considered a parent under this old definition. So um, it's really, although uh, parents equally plan for the conception, plan for their child, and that non-biological parent is there every step of the way as the parent to that baby, they are still left in the eyes of a law of lesser than in terms of not being considered a legal parent. 
So where is the constitutional challenge at? So um, we have filed the application and we expect to be, it to be heard sometime in the fall. And, and what we're, we're hoping is that, uh, you know, Manitoba recognizes that in today's society, how families are formed are, uh, have advanced over time with the medical technologies and, to, and in terms of how today children are conceived. And so we're hoping that Manitoba uh, modernizes its legislation similar to other provinces like Ontario, Saskatchewan and British Columbia. And this isn't something that's new. I mean, our Manitoba Law Reform Commission six years ago in 2014 um, analyzed this issue and recommended legislative change. And also same-sex parents had to fight for the right to adopt. And that's going back 19 years now. And now uh, they're again uh, fighting for the right to be legally recognized as parents. So um, we're hoping that um, with bringing this issue to light and bringing this issue to the light to the government that um, we that they'll look to wanting to secure families and legal parentage, which has important implications for parents. I mean, most people take being a legal parent for granted, but it can have many has many important uh, implications on if the, if parents were to separate, one were to pass away, making medical decisions over your child. Um, so this is an important case, and and if. Um, if the government uh, is not uh, uh, going to enact legislation, then we look to likely having it heard by the Manitoba Court of Queen's Bench in the fall. This seems like such an onerous process for for everyone involved to have to go down this road for for something that that seems extremely common sense. I want to ask I want to ask Emily this question. Emily, I, I'm sure there's no solace in the fact that heterosexual and same sex couples are are treated the same under this law. When, when did you when did you realize that you were going to have to deal with this? Well, um, we were aware we were aware that this was a possibility right when we started. Like we had factored in the fact that you know, on top of donor contracts and on top of um, whatever other stuff we needed to do in order to have our baby, that this was going to be a sort of pending reality for us. So we're so grateful that um, Robin and the rest of this team have have picked up this challenge and and brought it at this particular time. I mean, obviously, it's really unfortunate for the people who came before us who had to go through this process, but we consider ourselves very, very lucky to be part of this challenge right now. Well, we thank you all for joining us this morning to share details on this story, and we wish you well uh, throughout this process. Uh, Keep us updated, okay? Thank you for having us. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is back on Monday. That is a song called Great Divide by Manitoba's own Eagle and Hawk, Greg. Yeah, we're uh, always thrilled to uh, visit with these gentlemen. Uh, Vince Fontaine and Spatchmall Hall joining us. And of course, they're out in the community doing amazing work, which is a part of uh, why they've released this song that they wrote last summer uh, when they have. Good morning, gentlemen. Great to catch up with you. Spatch, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing today? 
We're doing great, man. And uh, Vince, great to catch up with you as well. Thanks for for sending this our way, and thanks for taking some time uh, with us. What a beautiful song, Great Divide. Tell us the story of this beautiful song. Oh, well, thank you so much. First of all, it's a pleasure to be your guest and uh, to your audience out there listening. Um, So last summer, we were um, kind of halfway through uh, writing an album, Eagle and Hawks first in 10 years. And, uh, so, um, started thinking about, you know, we always think about topics, this and that. And, uh, one of the things that has become, it seems, uh, apparent that there's a lot of societal divides, you know, like you can turn on the news. There's one opinion here, one opinion there, and all these new ideas. We didn't even hear words like fake news before. Um, but last summer we were ta- thinking more about some divides at the time. There was political divides as we had an election coming up. You know, there was stuff going on with the climate, anti-climate, and the list goes on and on. And uh, so we started thinking about that quite a bit. And um, all of a sudden we had this really kind of cool, smooth, catchy riff and uh, turned it into a song and, and kind of I penned the lyrics. Uh, you know, I thought about it quite a bit and I was pretty happy uh, with what it came up, but it's really about if you step back, you know, we have a beautiful life at the, at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to say. We have a beautiful life. And if we kind of put those bigger divides aside, uh, that may take us to a better place. So Spatch, uh, you know, you released this to stand in solidarity with the black lives matter movement. Why was it important for you guys to, to make sure that your voices were contributing to those trying to end racism um here i'm going to jump in again on that uh spatch has got about 10 answers on that one <laughs> but um well because uh, the black lives matter uh situation is front and center as you know in the last few weeks uh and um it uh it it was one of those divides that you know is right in our backyard south of the border and um I spent a lot of time in the United States. I lived there as a child. My father was an American citizen. So um, it was one of those things that this was front and center. And we, we actually had it scheduled. We were going to release the single and we were going to maybe do a video to go with it. But when the uh, George Floyd uh, um, situation happened, uh, we, we had to jump on board and uh, um, not not jump on board and, and take advantage of it, but jump on board and lend our voices to the millions that were really trying to stand up to this, uh, what, what's happening in the States, even still today, right? Uh, Vince, how much of your life experience, uh, obviously as a songwriter, that's at, at the very core of it, but but what, what motivates you in music, in the lyrics that, that you write? Well, I mean, it's right across the board. I mean, we can write simple things about love. You know, we can write things about relationships or uh, really it's about, I think artists will uh, suggest it's about how we see the world through our lens, so to speak. Right. And Eagle and Hawk, uh, I guess we have, a, you know, our blueprint in a sense is trying to write about societal things, uh, often from the indigenous perspective. We're trying to give um, highlight and a, and a broader understanding to these issues that are one of the divides that are going to continue the conversation uh, across Canada because uh, there's you know there's still a lot of issues with uh, the indigenous uh, with our indigenous people myself and uh, governments the historical um, things that have happened that aren't quite uh, reconciled so to speak. 
Vince, we asked a question the other day. One of our questions of the day this week had to do with, do you believe or do you think that movements aided by demonstrations like Black Lives Matter, like Me Too, actually create real change? So Black Lives Matter right now uh, is front and center around the world. Do you think it will create real change? Um, well, I mean, it, that's, that's hard to gauge, but let's, uh, the historical fact is, is, is demonstrations and voices rising up create change, whether it's uh, governments in Europe have been toppled, uh, you know, uh, women have, have got, gotten the vote, um, you know, uh, gay rights, uh, different things like that are, are front and center by protest and speaking up publicly. So to answer your question, I, I'm hopeful that this will aid to an understanding uh, of in this particular um, issue of black lives and they're looking for a greater equality and, and actually, to be honest, putting an end to violence and, and murder in the United States um, of uh, black men. The list goes on. I mean, I was thinking about this, whether it's uh, Martin Luther King or Rodney King. These are things that have happened over the last uh, several decades and now uh, and, and there's many names that uh, we could probably name, and we, we don't want this to happen in, in our society, in our time. We want to be a marker that went, hey, this generation stood up. And I, I want to add here that uh, that I've I seen that there was a lot of young people that went to the rally on uh, Friday, and I was, I was really impressed to hear that that the millennials or whatever we want to call them really want to stand up, it seems, for um, equality and, and better rights and an understanding for people. And I think that's great. And uh, we hope that the same um, support comes for some of the Indigenous issues that will be brought up front and center soon, too. Yeah, we're trying to do that. We're trying to correlate the two because this is eye-opening for so many people, not just in the United States. It's happening around the world. We're seeing demonstrations where people, we're seeing people speak up. And and if you don't try and correlate it to something that's going on in your own backyard, I, I think it's a waste. Spatch, the, the, the value, the power of music to to bring us together, to open our eyes to social injustice has been a, a concept. I, I don't know how far we go back with that, but I think about folk music in particular. And, uh, you know, Neil Young was famous for using his platform and, and his music to to speak and, and share his political views and what he thought about things. Uh, why is music such a powerful way to do that? Well, I think we I think we have to get back to that as as well. I find that uh, a lot of the the newer music is is lacking in that that perspective. With you know the drive for uh, better life, better um, sorry equality to people in general. I think it's uh, it's always been important. Um, I just, in my opinion, uh, more people are listening now. You know that they're uh, rediscovering some of the older artists, the Joni Mitchells and Neil Young and Bob Dylan. And, uh, you know, I noticed that in the work that I do, that they're starting to bring in some of these artists and uh, talk about some of the, uh, you know, what does this lyric mean? And what are they talking about? You know, the Vietnam War or this movement or, you know, uh, people that were shot. So I think music has, has been uh, the common denominator um, through through this this movement, uh, almost from the beginning, for as long as there's been recorded music, people have been singing uh, folk songs. And you know we see it uh, with the Just TV program, like I'd mentioned earlier, right? And we see the 
the, um, you know, like Vince and I wrote, again, we will be delivering hampers and groceries. So we see a lot of the, the divide uh, daily. And, um, you know, we have to create more opportunities for people to uh, lift themselves out of uh, poverty or have more opportunities to compete for positions, jobs, things like that. I know it's a roundabout answer, but that sort of covers everything. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here. Greg, did you have any final questions before we let our, these gentlemen go? Well, we could keep them, but we can't. The clock prohibits it. Uh, Vince, uh, just let us know uh, where the proceeds of the song are are going and uh, how we can go about uh, helping out in that sense just by clicking play, essentially. Yeah, we have it set up. Our publicist, uh, Jane Punchniak, has got it set up so that our proceeds are going to go to some of the movements that are supporting the Black Lives Matter. And uh, you can also uh, hear the song on, on the usual streaming uh, sources. Uh, but one thing is, uh, if you want to take a look at the video uh, that we uh, put up, it's on uh, Eagle and Hawk, um, Eagle and Hawk Music on, on YouTube. It's Eagle and Hawk, The Great Divide. Or not The Great Divide, Great Divide. Eagle and Hawk. And also, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, one last thing is yeah, we, we, we actually, we're going to do a little yeah. plug. We have a performance coming up. Uh, you know, this is the pandemic time. That's another crisis. That's another divide, right? So um, we, we're going to be doing a live stream performance. Uh, it'll live. Uh, you'll catch the info on our social media pages. So. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Eagle and Hawk, great divide. You can find that on YouTube. We've been speaking with Vince Fontaine and Spatch Mulhall from Eagle and Hawk as they stand in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. Up next, we will crown our winner and give out a $25 gift card for Manitoba turkey producers. Which animal would you be and why has been the conversation? Gerald, for example, not our winner, but Gerald says I would be a mouse so I could scare the crap out of my wife. Oh, boy, Gerald. That's uh, rather devious, sir. Wow. We will, but he says, great show, guys, and we enjoy it, Gerald. He's got a, he's got a sense of humor. Every good relationship needs to have a sense of humor, right? We will find our winner in three minutes after your weather next on The Start. and McGarry McNabb back on Monday. It is time to pick our winner for the $25 gift card for Manitoba Turkey Producers. June is Turkey Month, and earlier this morning we asked you the question at 204-780-6868. If you could be an animal, which one would you be and why? And boy, you came through as you always do with so many great stories. You make it really hard for us to pick a winner. Like Pat made me laugh saying... I thought of the eagle first, but then you guys grabbed it. So I'm going to go with the Tasmanian devil. Loved him on Bugs Bunny. Couldn't understand a word he said. Was so funny when he flipped out. Thanks, mate. That's not a winning text. 
That's great. Not a winning I text. I love it. Yeah. Another uh, listener saying, I would be a Wookiee. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're tall, strong, live for hundreds of years, can fly starships, and they have the coolest roar. Well, that's pretty good. But I don't know that a Wookiee qualifies as an animal. Uh, but we do. It's a, it's a, a species for sure. We did. I mean, I guess technically we are animals. But uh, yeah. we did come to a consensus, Greg, on our winning text. Do you see it there? Yeah. Yes, the animal I want to be in my next life is a pelican. Why? They get to fly majestically. They go south for the winter. They live on the beach. They eat sushi all the time. And nobody shoots pelicans. And I was looking that up on the interwebs, and apparently that's sort of true. Their their meat is apparently pretty tough. Oh my So they goodness. don't make good eating. They, they eat well, but they don't make good eating for humans. Well, our winner is Ken. And Ken, are you there? I am too. Well, hey, Ken, congratulations to you, sir. Well, isn't that nice? Thanks for, for playing win, along. I, now I win the lottery. <laughs> the $25 Manitoba Turkey Producers Lottery. Congratulations, buddy. I'm going to put you on hold and just going to get your details, okay? Woohoo! thank you. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for playing along. It's been so much fun going through your texts. Uh, we just have a blast with you guys uh, when we have these fun topics amidst all of the information that we need to give you to get you through your day. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.